Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to be with you all again, even if it's at a distance through the miracle of these holy electrons. But uh, we give you greetings from the United Arab Emirates, where we live. And we miss you all. We really wish that before too long, we could be back with you again. Well, what did you think of that uh, clip from the movie Matilda? Kind of weird, right? Uh, do some of you like weird movies? Spooky things, stuff with magical powers? How many of you like sci-fi movies? Raise your hand. Go ahead, raise them up. Even on YouTube, you can raise your hand. Um, I know many people have seen every Matrix movie that's ever been made. Uh, Monica and I have Netflix, and many of you do too. We enjoyed the uh, series Stranger Things, you know, with all the monsters and this, the world below and all that. Um, Many of you have seen every Star Wars movie, some love certain Marvel superheroes movie. All of these things, of course, all these shows and movies have one thing in common. They're fiction, okay? That's the fi in sci-fi, science fiction. Now, when we come to the Bible, of course, there is also lots of supernatural in the Bible. And we might be tempted to think, oh, I wonder if some of these strange stories are kind of like the movies. In other words, not totally real, uh, maybe a little bit made up or fanciful. Uh, do you ever feel that way? I mean, what about some, you know, could Jonah really have spent three days in the belly of a whale or, or large fish? Could Jesus really have been born of a virgin? Um, but these things aren't fiction. And when we talk about scriptural stories, they're not made up. They're not simply tall tales. None of them are, are wacky. All right? They're all reasonable. In fact, what would be unreasonable is if you have an all-powerful creator God created the, the heavens and the earth, and yet somehow through life there can never be supernatural. There can never be miracles. That, of course, would not be a, a reasonable presupposition. Well, today we're going to be looking at a few accounts of where the other side, the other realm invades into normal human uh, existence or experience. Sort of some mind-bending uh, situations, if you will. And maybe you'll like those kind of things, but uh, some will, some won't. But let me assure you, these are not just interesting things. These are actually very practical for you and for me as we live the Christian life. And hopefully, as you'll see, these are not just sort of cerebral things, but these really do uh, impact the human heart, our hearts, as we follow Jesus. Well, did you like our story, 2 Kings 2, when Elijah is being taken up to heaven? It's really a moving account um, of how an older mentor is leaving and the younger person who has been mentored and discipled doesn't want to let go. He just loves him so much, he just can't even contemplate that he would lose Elisha, Elijah. It's a little bit confusing because we have Elijah, who's the older guy, and Elisha, the younger one who has been mentored and who will be Elijah's successor. Uh, but this is the day that God is finishing the long, amazing career of Elijah. He's been the prophet of Israel for decades, amazing career serving the Lord in that place during a, a terrible time spiritually for Israel. Um, awful kings like Ahab and his wife Jezebel and really kings that would lead Israel into apostasy and yet God raised up Elijah to stand against that and to confront it. 
Um, and he's had this amazing ministry for decades. But this is the day that it says that God would take him up to heaven in, in a whirlwind. Um, and again, like I said, it's rather touching. Elijah goes along, okay? And three times, Elijah wants to say, okay, Elijah, you stay here. I'm going to go over here. And then he, he, he'll just leave. Kind of sneak away, you know, make, make it a little bit easier. And three times, uh, Elisha says, no way, Jose. You know, that's as you live and as the Lord lives, I will not leave you. I'm going wherever you go. I'm going to be with you to the last minute. It's also kind of humorous, too, that twice, um, first at Bethel and then at Jericho, some group of prophets come out and they just happen to know miraculously, you know, a word from the Lord saying, hey, Elisha, today's the day. Uh, get ready to say goodbye to your master. And uh, each time, Elisha's response is, I don't want to hear it, I don't want to hear it, be quiet. You know, uh, I'm sticking with it. Maybe, maybe God will change his mind. Um, but eventually, Elijah is in fact taken up and transferred to heaven. Uh, but you know, heaven is not just at a certain altitude. You know, these, these chariots of fire uh, didn't just take him up to a certain altitude above the stratosphere, and that's where heaven is. No, it, he actually went up to a different dimension. And these, these chariots of horses of fire, you know, they had a different color, a different texture. There was a luminescence, as is often the case when other dimensions, when the heavenly dimensions come in. And so he goes up and up and up, and then in a moment, boom, that's it. Transferred out of our normal dimensions. Um, well, there, you know, there's another, a number of other sort of, I would call dimension bending accounts or miracles of the supernatural in scripture of people appearing and then disappearing or human beings like you and me uh, being able to see things beyond the normal earthly realm that we normally wouldn't be able to see where temporarily the veil over our, our perception or our eyes is taken away. Now you and I live in three dimensions, right? Three-dimensional world, three-dimensional existence. We have up and down, left and right, back and forth. We live in three dimensions. Uh, and yet it would seem from a lot of these biblical accounts that other dimensions come into play. A fourth dimension, a fifth dimension, whatever. Um, well, how can that be? What, what would that be like? How can we get our minds around that? Um, let me give you a little illustration that might help. It helps me. Imagine you're an ant, okay? And your whole world is a particular tabletop, and you can't go beyond the edges. You can go anywhere you want on the tabletop, but as you think about it, essentially your whole existence is in two dimensions, back and forth, left and right. That's it. No up and down for you, Mr. Ant. Um, and then one day, a human being comes along your table, your table and puts his finger down right in front of your nose from above. And you, the ant, said, what's that? And then he lifts it, and then the finger disappears. It's a miracle. I've never, you know, it's, it's impossible to understand because a third dimension has entered into your two dimensions. Um, and of course, we live in three dimensions, so we can go up and down. So in the same way, our, we're limited to these three dimensions, but God isn't, and heavenly beings are not. Uh, so they're probably coming in from other dimensions. Well, as you think about it, there are many accounts like this in Scripture. When Jesus was born, the shepherds are shepherding their flocks by night on the hills around Bethlehem, and angels appear, and they're singing. I mean, that's not a normal phenomenon, right? Um, but uh, the scripture is very clear 
you know, Psalm 29, about heavenly beings. They exist. We just don't normally see them. Uh, maybe that's proof of the existence of aliens. I don't know, but there are, there are angels or heavenly beings in our universe. Remember Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration? Um, you know, Peter, James, and God, John go with him up to what is probably Mount Hermon in Lebanon. And uh, they, uh, they just have this fantastic experience. And Moses and Elijah appear with Jesus. They're all kind of shining, you know, again, that luminescence. And uh, that was a, an amazing supernatural event. After the resurrection, the crucifixion resurrection, two of Jesus' disciples were walking on the road from Jerusalem to the village of Emmaus, about five miles away. And Jesus walks up to them in his resurrected state, and he joins them, and they are prevented somehow, miracle, from recognizing who this person is. They just think he's a, a normal guy. And so they go along and spend the afternoon together. Um, and uh, then Jesus, when it's dinner time, takes the bread, breaks it, gives thanks, and at that moment, they recognize this is Jesus, and then he disappears. He disappears. Uh, other stories like that, you know, again, after the resurrection, uh, the disciples are in a locked room, fully locked, no windows, no doors that are open, and then Jesus just appears uh, with them and says, peace be upon you. Again, coming in from the other dimension. Uh, Stephen, just before he dies, loses consciousness while being stoned, says, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of God. So he, he gets to see something that humans are not normally allowed to see. We have Philip the Evangelist, goes along sharing the gospel from Isaiah 53 to the Ethiopian eunuch. And then after he baptizes him, he disappears. And he's transported uh, dozens of miles away. Um, Paul was caught up to the third heaven. Paul was allowed by God to see things that you and I aren't going to be able to see in this life. And then, of, this, of these kinds of stories, there's my all-time favorite. Now, Elisha, years later, he's now the main guy, uh, he has made a real bad enemy of the Syrian king, the Syrian ruler. And there's now hundreds, if not more, Syrian soldiers out to get him, to arrest him and take him back up to um, to Damascus or somewhere up, up there. And one morning, Syria, uh, Elisha's servant goes, opens the door, went out to get the newspaper or something, and he's like, there's hundreds of these Syrian soldiers. He slams the door, rushes inside, Elijah, do something, we're in big, big trouble here, they're, they're gonna get us, they're gonna kill us, what are we gonna do? And Elijah just says, hey, buddy, chill. Uh, don't worry. Uh, God, will, will you let my servant see what I already see? So he says, go outside again, take another look. So the servant goes outside, opens the door, and opens it. And he gets to see there's myriads of angels surrounding him who aren't going to let anything bad that day happen to Elisha or the servant. I mean, can you imagine seeing that kind of thing? Can you imagine the experience being there that day? So a lot of these kinds of miraculous accounts in Scripture, supernatural, and they really happened. Well, I would like to suggest for us four, four applications uh, for us this morning and applying these things. First of all, materialism is a lie. 
Now, what do I mean by materialism? Do I mean money and consumerism? No, no, no. Materialism in the sense of the atheistic, secular uh, belief that there is nothing but the material universe, that the physical realm is all there is, what we can sense with our five senses or through science, and that there's no spirit, there's no God, there's no supernatural, there's no miracles. In fact, everything in our universe and everything on our planet is just an accident, really. Um, The random particles and forces and everything in my life is just sort of electrochemical events in my head. Uh, And all human behavior is simply atoms and forces and inevitable actions. And of course, there's no responsibility uh, if that's your worldview. And all the beauty, all the love, all the warmth that you might experience in life, well, great, but it's just an illusion um, in materialism. Our our son and his daughter, uh, I mean, and his wife just had their first baby last week, and they're just having a fantastic week of enjoying little Sammy and the love between them and the bonds, and, and yet materialism would say, okay, great, enjoy it, but there really is no meaning in that. Uh, there's nothing eternal in that. And of course, in that context, ultimately, there's no ethics, there's no right or wrong, or whatever there is is extraordinarily uh, relevant uh, or relate, um, you know, varying between what you might believe or what I might believe. And you know, all of us have experienced where we've seen, a, heard a speaker, or seen a TV show where Christians are mocked. Oh, you, you people who believe the Bible, I mean, what did you check your brain at the door? I mean, what about all these stories, these, these myths, and the creation, seven-day creation? And how can you believe those things? Because science has proven there is no God or he's not relevant. And, you know, the world around us has happened, you know, through evolution, not through some creationism. And uh, you ever feel intimidated by that? Or do you know anybody, a Christian, who has lost their faith by being hoodwinked? By, by atheists. I think of, of one um, atheist debater who, uh, his name is Richard Dawkins, maybe you've heard of him in his book, uh, The God Delusion. And uh, he says basically, you know, he just kind of shouts in derision, oh, how can you believe these things? And, you know, there is no creation. Evolution has proved its fault. It's not right. And, you know, as if just pouring derision is, is mixed up for a lack of, of good arguments. But, you know, neo-Darwinism actually is not proven by any stretch of the imagination. There are big holes in, actually, the theory of evolution, and the honest ones will admit that uh, even to this day. And others will point out that even if, even if you're not a Christian or a, one who believes the Bible, going down this materialistic path is really destructive for the human soul and really destructive for society. And these days, uh, for example, Douglas Murray, who is not yet in the kingdom, is saying this. We, we can't go down that path. We, we can't lose our heritage. And there can't be this spiritual vacuum. Um, you know, don't buy into materialism. Um, so anyway, uh, applica- application number one being materialism is a lie. And contrary to that, application number two is scripture is reliable. The word of God, the Bible is believable. And, uh, you know, it's not true that Scripture is somehow backward or that there's, these great, there's this great tension between science and faith or scientific theories and uh, Scripture. 
Um, I love listening to anything I can get my hands on by John Lennox on YouTube, lots of videos on YouTube. He's a professor emeritus of mathematics at Oxford and knows lots of science, of course, besides just being brilliant in mathematics. And he says there is no such tension, properly understood. Now, there is a tension between faith and scientism, which is this almost religious clutching on to science as if it can answer every question and satisfy the needs of the human soul and then describe what meaning is all about. And of course, that's ridiculous. It can't. Science is not equipped to answer those kinds of questions. Um, And we know, in fact, that even where scripture does speak about physics or natural processes, that it speaks accurately. It speaks believably. Um, And sometimes it takes a long time for science, in fact, to catch up. Let me give you three examples. We know from Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Scripture is very clear. Everything we see, our universe, the cosmos, had a beginning. Well, you know, for hundreds of years, for thousands of years, a secularism believed the opposite. No, there's no beginning. The universe has just always been here, going back all the way to Aristotle. He championed this view. Even to recent days, scientists would say, no, 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 we, we don't believe in a beginning. Until about the 1960s. In the 1960s, uh, there began to evolve this consensus around the Big Bang Theory. And we don't know, even to this day, is that exactly what happened. But now science is saying, no, actually we realize there absolutely was a beginning. Um, and, and I've even read that some atheists say, actually, that's a problem for us uh, in supporting atheism. But it's clear that, that uh, the universe did, in fact, have a beginning. Another example, Hebrews 11.3 says this, By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible, uh, but out of things that are not visible. Okay, And again, what he's saying is that our normal world, you know, our bodies, our chairs, our houses, our food, whatever, Um, ultimately or or initially came about by unseen forces and matter in the hands of God. Well, again, at the time, the the science of the day would have said, no, that's ridiculous. We know that everything is a matter of earth, wind, fire, and water, and ether. So don't talk about unseen things. Well, of course, that's ridiculous. And today, no one would doubt the, the greater reality of unseen particles and forces and everything else. Finally, another example is that, you know, these accounts that we've looked at in Scripture, again, have people passing from the visible to the invisible, or back and forth, and that there's a realm of God's existence and a realm of angelic existence that is not inside our three visible dimensions. And uh, again, for hundreds and hundreds of years, secular scientists would say, that is absurd, that's a fairy tale, how can you believe such things? There is no such other you know, existences and spheres of reality until about 30 years ago. Now, the leading theory in science to understand our physical universe, to put your arms around cosmology and say, this is, this is our leading best idea of how things are the way they are physically, is called string theory. 
uh, string theory. And I won't try to get into it. I don't, I don't pretend to understand it myself. But it does say that there must be at least 11 dimensions in our cosmos, in our physical universe. 11, not just three. There must be a lot more than three. Now, they're not saying, therefore, there's angels in dimension number seven or whatever. But they're saying that the idea of other existences all around us is not unreasonable at all. It's not irrational. It's not unscientific in any way. So, again, uh, application number two, Scripture is reliable. Thirdly, I would just remind all of us, or we actually can remind ourselves daily, that this life is temporary. It's temporary. Uh, and we have our normal existence, our cars, our houses, our loved ones, our food, our health, or lack of health, our shopping at Tesco, our bank accounts, you know, we know what that's like. But Scripture says, okay, that's real, but it's not the ultimate reality. It has significance, but it is not the ultimate significance for you or for me. And whatever problems you may be grappling with are also temporary. I love how Paul says it, 2 Corinthians 4, for this slight momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not at the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient or temporary, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Again, so number three, just to remind ourselves that this life is, is temporary, and whatever problems we have in it are temporary. And lastly, uh, I know that many can struggle with doubts. Do you struggle with doubts? I think if we're all honest, at different times we have you know, different question marks and struggles and Lord, it'll help, help my unbelief. Um, I love this book that Norman Geisler recently put out. Uh, he's an amazing apologist for the Christian faith. And this, is, this book isn't very long and it's probably his best book in apologetics. And it's titled, I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. Norman Geisler, I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. And he goes through and he basically, you know, demonstrates powerfully um, the wonder of, of the universe and that how that points to a creator and the wonder of creation of earth itself, which of course points to God and the reliability of scripture and all the evidence historically and all that we understand of who Jesus is and was uh, and how all of the evidentiary support for that. The point is, your faith is on solid ground. Brothers and sisters, your faith is on solid ground. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for these truths. Thank you for these assurances from the Word of God and beyond the Word of God. Thank you for your Holy Spirit inside us that confirms these things to us. We pray that these things this morning go beyond simply our minds, also to our hearts and to our lives. Lord, would you build up our faith in Jesus' name. Um.